This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome back to a new podcast about Australian crime stories. We're looking at the uh, episode eight today of season four. We've got the executive producers, Jerry Coy and Brian Cockerell. And if you like what you hear here, um, go back and listen to the other uh, nine episodes and uh, check out the shows themselves, of course, if you haven't already done so, on Nine or Nine Now. Look, this is probably my favourite episode, Brian and Jerry, of the ten of this um, of this season. A deadly friendship, the sort of uh, the troubled Jonathan Dick. A case that um, Adam Shands covered himself for a long time and he's also done a um, special podcast on it as well, I think. Yeah, yeah. Adam um, has been working on this case for a very long time. The The Camerata family invited, invited him into their home to tell their story. Um, now, who's that family? The, the Camerata's family. Now, they're the people who were threatened by yes. Jonathan so, Dick. Yes. Yeah. So well, David, the husband, he was one of Jono's best mates and looked out for him. And the stars of this episode, really, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, really the husband are. and wife. Absolutely. And yeah. we were very lucky to be able to sit down with them and hear the whole story from when they became, you know, their early teenage years, friendship, and to the final... Um, Outcome of when David captured him and the police took him away, took Jonathan away. So, yeah, they haven't spoken to many, um, but they're mm. very close with Adam and we've got a very strong they, relationship. Yeah, and they, they were really great to give us the, their whole story. And it is a, an extraordinary story of a friendship that, that turns completely sour. Um, David's best friend through sort of school um, was uh, a young man named Jonathan Dick who um, just deteriorated mentally uh, to the point where he kills his brother with a samurai sword and then disappears, drops off the grid, drops off the map for nearly two years until he pops up and tries to kill David with a sharpened um, plasterer's hammer in the front yard of his own home. Um, and then disappears again until David has... He's, they've reached this stage where his whole family are there constantly just terrified every single day. And David drives to work one day and he looks... As he parks his car, he looks over, I think, his right shoulder and says, he's here. And then he and his best friend just say, well, this has got to end now. So they take off and, and citizens arrest Australia's most wanted man in Hosier Lane in Melbourne. I mean, you you rightly condemn crimes and criminals, but you certainly don't hold back on uh, Jonathan Dick either. With the the start of the episode, I think the, the voiceover calls him unhinged, uh, a single-minded psychotic killer. Mm. He's um, really got not many redeeming features. No. I mean, look, this is a really tricky episode because um, Jonathan has been found not guilty by virtue of mental health, but... Um, Really, we're looking here at at his impact on this family, mm. um, and they feel quite rightly that um, they have been just sort of cast aside in this story. That everything has been turned towards getting a good outcome for Jonathan, but not a good outcome for for David and Danny, who are now terrified because this guy is now basically held at in a, a mental health 
um, facility until they think that he's better, how he can be better when he's a paranoid schizophrenic, apparently. I don't know. But he may be let out into the community and David and Danny are not to know that this has happened. And Jonathan has single-mindedly said that he is going to kill David. So, yeah, it's a... It seems there are more protections in place for people like Jonathan than there are for the family, the Camerata family. So that's the heartbreaking story. Also, you know, we don't really know what the illness is, what Jonathan's illness is, but his former, his ex-girlfriend, who he loved very much, uh, we interview her as well, and she said, you know, it's drugs. He was a normal kid, pretty normal, and then, you know, there are a few things that happened in his life and he did smoke a lot of marijuana and, you know, his mental health deteriorated. Is she the girl who writes to him? Yes. Emma. To, yeah. Yes, and the, rings In him. the back half of the episode. Yeah, yeah I think. that's right. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing too. That, uh, mm. But, yeah, you've got to really feel for David and Danny. One stage, Danny says, you know, quote, he's not sick, he is evil. Mm. You know, she's yeah. she's really, um, yeah, well. Yeah, and, and you can believe that. Yeah, and she was never, she was always wary of the relationship her husband had with him before he became this sort of unhinged killer. Well, you know, quite rightly, as a Melbourne supporter yourself, (laughs) you would be unhappy if your wedding present was a Richmond Richmond membership. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's that amazing um, security footage of him waiting to kill his brother. His brother is standing outside the lift, a a lift entrance with a Doncaster shopping cart. Does that footage roll on and yet no, captured well, the whole thing or it, not? It, well, I haven't seen that, well, but I'm, no, I'm sure it probably be would. quite upsetting, but presumably it could. Yeah, well, we've, we've, we're showing as much as what the yeah. police have um, released. Have released. Right. Uh, so, yeah, not sure what it rolls on to after that. But then you've also got that incredible CCTV vision from the garbage truck that picked up right at the moment that, that Jono leaps out from underneath the steps at David Camerata's house to try and kill him with the ha- with the hammer. Mm. I mean, the timing of that, that the, you know, that the the camera from the garbage truck is right there at that moment is just, it's the most extraordinary thing I've ever seen. It's a lovely cutaway of a rubbish bin beside the curb in one scene too, so <laughs> nice work from that. The, um, Danny also calls him a piece of shit in some other scenes, but and it's amazing this where he will... When he was sort of on the run, I say in quotation marks, he was in a tent just in North Fitzroy. Living in plain sight, absolutely. Surviving, you know, he and as he said to his ex-girlfriend, Emma, you know, it was kind of fun. Like he was managing quite well, eating from the um, community garden. Um, He must have had some support, some money, because he was able to purchase food. There were, Adam went to his little... Yeah, uh, camping area. Some, shot some footage on his iPhone. Yeah. The, yeah, the day after the arrest. Yeah, stuff was still there. Mm. Years. Well, we went when we went back to film, yeah, and the cops hadn't, you know, roped it off or anything. No, and no. So no. it's a crime no. scene, or a, you know, no. whatever. Stuff was still there when we went back to film. Pieces. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, a year later. Um, I think his tent bag was still there. Adam couldn't believe it. He just said, "This Jono stuff is still there." Mm. Um, oh, that's mm. really amazing. Yep, absolutely. So there, yeah, look, that's a great episode. And if you if you only watch one of these, I, I think you'll you'll watch a deadly friendship, and you'll you'll definitely want to um, get into the series some more. So yeah, that's um, Australian crime stories. We'll be back with another one.